0: I want to this morning, first of all, just say thank you to our volunteers that are serving today. This is normally the Sunday of the year where we have some challenges to get volunteers because everybody's away or taking a break. So I would love lovingly refer to them all as the skeleton crew because they look so good, but just because of their faithfulness. So volunteers on stage, volunteers in the technical teams, volunteers in the ushers. Just give them a special round of applause this morning. Just and thank you for... Just serving us so beautifully. And then I'd also like to just welcome, we've got all our groupings of people, some of them gathered here today. We've got people from the South Church that's here. Shout out to all the people from the South Church. Nice to have you with us. So great to... And then we've got the, the people from the Sheer Church Plant. There's some of them here also today. So welcome to you. And uh, great to have you, the whole family together. And then also our, our family from the Spanish-speaking church that's here with us also today. So um, it's great to be all together, isn't it? And then obviously, also our online community, our radio community, everybody together. It is a joy to be together on the 1st of January 2023. Hey, wow. Can you believe it? 2022 is gone. Just like that, it happened. It's finished. I had a memory this morning, some of the older people in the congregation will remember this. Remember how you used to, when it was the new year, first thing you did, one of the first things you did is got your checkbook and wrote the new year's date in the first couple of checks because you're going to forget and repeat the old habit. Aren't you thankful we don't have checkbooks anymore? We don't have to do that. But uh, it's a new year. And uh, the title of my message today that I want to talk about is, I've actually entitled Happy New Opportunities. Happy New Opportunities. Now, in some sense, let's be honest, today is just another day. It's I mean, we've not all woken up into a different country with no load shedding all of a sudden. Wouldn't that be fantastic? You know? Oh, it was so twenty twenty two to have stage six load shedding. You know, I, I don't want to be a doom prophet, but it's probably coming back, you know. It's it's not like the whole world is suddenly all your problems, all the struggles you had from last year is finished, they're gone. Never to be seen again. Wouldn't that be nice? So in one sense, today is just another day. But in another sense, it's not. It's a new day. It's a new year. And there's something that happens with us at the beginning of the new year where we feel, a, I don't know if it's a surge of energy or a surge of hopefulness or, a, or a just passion or I don't know what it is, but we feel like I can tackle some new things again. Perhaps some of those things that I tried to get right last year and I didn't get right. I can do it this year. And you know, I never wanna be that cynical person that gives up on any New Year's resolutions or anything things like that. I know I'm probably gonna fail at most of them, but I'm gonna get some of them right. And I think it's better to always try it, always have hope and to, to step forward and say, this is a new year and it's gonna present some new opportunities to us. There's some new things coming our way and, and I wanna make sure that I'm on the right footing and in the right place so that I can maximize the opportunities that will be presented to me in this year and that I can move forward into that which the Lord has for me. Because I'm sure you're aware of this, but God has a plan with your life and he's busy with it. Whether you're on holiday or not, he's busy. He's always working. He's always active. He's always taking initiative, moving us towards, as Paul called it, the that for which he has taken hold of us. He's always busy with us. And there's times where we cooperate with him and we see some beautiful things happen. But there's you know there's even times, let's be real, there's times where God does things in our lives and we don't even play a part in it. He just does it. Because there's lots of things in our lives that happens to us and sort of unfolds that we had no control over. How many remember January 2020? And we were like, "Yes, We've got big plans for the year, and we were hopeful, and you know, lots of things that we were going to do, and then something else happened, and some people still haven't recovered. They still haven't, like they felt, I'm never going to plan for a year again, because something, you know, life happens to us. So life is made up of these things that happen to us that we have no control over, and the things that we do have control over, but it all happens within the context of a God that loves us and that is busy in our lives. Some requires us to be proactive. Some things require us to be reactive. And that's the mixture of life. But I always want to do everything, whether it's my proactive engagement, planning, structuring things, you know, working towards something, or whether it's me just responding to what life presents to me. I want to do that within the knowledge of the love and of the grace of God. And that he is busy with me. And so what I want to talk about this year today, as we start this year, is about making sure that we are in the right place, ready to respond to what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And to make use of the opportunities that will be presented to us. And perhaps to do that, I want to talk about a problem that we all commonly have from time to time. That may rob us of making use of the opportunities that come our way. And it's the problem of indecisiveness. Mm, some of you, I, by that response, I, some of you may recognize that old foe, indecisiveness. How many of you have ever struggled from just ending in a space where you're indecisive and struggling to understand what is right, what, what's the next, what, what should I do, which choices should I make? Indecisiveness is defined uh, as the following. Indecisiveness is the generalized difficulty to make satisfying decisions. The generalized difficulty to make satisfying decisions. And it feels to me, and I've read a little bit about it, but I'm probably going off more of my sort of subjective feeling by saying this. It feels to me, like our society at large is becoming more and more indecisive. And perhaps it may be because we've got too many options nowadays. It's become so difficult to choose. There's so many things presented to us, so much information, so much coming at us the whole time, that we've become like a little bit slower in our decision-making. And I think there's a reality to that, which is okay. But I think it's something we have to watch so that we don't get caught in a place that we can call the paralysis of indecisiveness. The paralysis of indecisiveness. I've observed how some people have gotten themselves into a place where they're stuck. And as an outsider, I can view their situation and I can sort of recognize that there's one or two or a few decisions they have to make and they'll be unstuck. But they've become so overwhelmed that that they've lost the capacity to actually make a decision. And so now they stuck. In 1 Kings 18 verse 21, we read a scripture, a verse that actually refers to this. Elijah the prophet came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is good, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. The prophet of God comes to this group of people, the people of God. And he says to them, you've got a choice to make. You've got to make a decision. You cannot sit on the fence. You you have to decide. You're going to die here. You're going to fail. Life is not going to go the way that it should go if you keep on delaying the decision. You have to make a decision. Get the information and decide. If God is the God that is the right God for you to follow, then choose Him. If you believe Baal is the right God for you, then choose Him. But don't sit in the middle. Make a decision. It makes me think of that famous verse in Revelations. If you were hot or cold, I would have preferred that. But now that you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. The Lord says, make a decision. Make a choice. Commit yourself to your choice. It's, it's interesting, the prophet actually says to them, if you read this verse, he says to them, even the wrong choice is better than no choice at all. Make a choice. Be a person of conviction. Be a person of character and of commitment and of strength. Do something. Don't try and just play it safe the whole time don't be so afraid to make a choice make a decision beware of the paralysis of indecisiveness I think we all get there from time to time don't we when we have to do something we have to make a decision I've been busy with a little building project at our house just a small little building project but sort of a little bit outside of my comfort zone and so I'm planning and doing things and uh I saw throughout the project, I would get myself to a place where I don't actually quite know what is the right way to go. And then I just want to do nothing. Then I'm hoping somebody else will make the decision for me. Then I'm hoping somebody else will come and tell me this is the right thing to do. This is what you want. Like just a couple of days ago, I I had to finally, I was hanging some lights. And so I had to choose a, a light lampshade, you know, so outside area. So what kind of lampshade is going to work for this area? Now, I'm standing in the shops there, and I am like stuck. Like I almost went home with no lampshade because I just can't make a decision. Should I get something that can handle, you know, that will look nice, but then it may not handle the wind. It, it may have too much dust gather on because it's an outside thing or, you know. And at some point I had to say to myself, just make a decision. This is not going to be the end of the world. If you get the long lampshade, you can change it eventually if it doesn't work. Make a decision. How many of you have ever gotten yourself, perhaps not with lampshades, but with something else into that place where it's like you get, it's difficult to make a decision. In James 1 verse 5 to verse 8, we have a famous scripture that talks about this also. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That's a great description of indecisiveness. Indecisiveness leads to motion sickness. That's what he describes here. When when you're on the sea... And you ended like sort of a you know, just without anchor or without direction. You're starting to just move a lot, but no momentum. A lot of movement with no momentum gives motion sickness, and that's where we often end up in our lives because we're so afraid to get it wrong that we end up in a space where there's a lot of activity. A lot of research being done, a lot of planning, a lot of talking, a lot of counseling, a lot of praying, a lot of, you know, engaging, but no momentum. And we get stuck in a place, and we are like waves, just moving around, with no purpose, with no aim, we are just stuck. And if you're stuck in a place like that for long enough, you're going to start getting sick you'll feel the motion sickness become to happen. And that motion sickness often manifests in people's lives as depression. It can manifest as anxiety. It can manifest as fear. or it's, obvious, it's driven by fear. I'll talk about that just now. But it can manifest in many negative emotions because we are actually just stuck. And we've got this motion sickness. In verse 8, For let no man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He describes this for us. If we get to this place where we are indecisive and stuck, we will actually end up in a place where God can do nothing for us. God cannot give us the good that he wants for us. He cannot move us forward to the next that he has for us. He cannot get us to the place where his blessing can be poured out over us, where his provision can be given to us, where his moving can happen in our lives because we are stuck in this paralysis of indecisiveness. Isn't that a scary scripture where it says that he will not receive anything from the Lord? What a thought that God has everything that you need available for you and for me. Everything that we need for life and to achieve the purposes that he created for, he has not only available for us, but he wants to give it to you. He's saying, but there's a part you have to play. He can do nothing for you you will receive no good thing from him if you are not able to take the step of faith and to make the decision. I would Sometimes I, I get to a place, personally, where I'm just tired. It's been a long like, period of time, hard working. I'm exhausted. And I know all I need is just to take a break and go perhaps away for a couple of days. But this is the challenge with that whole concept. I have to plan that going away. I have to make it happen. It, and some, I've really prayed this prayer. I've sometimes prayed, Lord, can somebody not just come and just give me like a break? Just here is like I've arranged everything for you. From I will pick you up and put you in the car. I will drive you to the place where you need to go. I will cook all your meals for you. I'll pack your bag. I'll unpack your bag for you. I will get your family there and make sure that they are enjoying themselves. I will do it all for you. Then I'm like, that's a break. Sounds like some cruise holiday or something. I don't know. But I, normally, if I need a break, I have to make the decisions to make that break happen. That's why you find so many people, they like, I'm so tired. I'm overworked. Why don't you take a break? No, I've got too much work. Because we can't make a decision. We can't make the choice. We like the guy, you know the story of the guy that, you know, he came to work with his lunchbox. And he was sitting next to his friend and they were eating their sandwiches at break time. And so he opens up his sandwiches and he looks at his sandwiches and he goes, not another egg sandwich. And then he'd eat his egg sandwich. Next day, the same thing. Opens his lunchbox, looks at the egg sandwich, goes, (sighs) not another egg sandwich. So eventually his friend says to him, listen, who makes your sandwiches? He says, I do. (laughs) It's ridiculous. But don't we do that? We keep making the same choices, doing the same things. And we sometimes just get in such a rut and such a space of indecisiveness that we just let life happen. And life just flows. Life just happens to us. How many of you know that if you allow life to just happen to you, you have no right to complain about what you get? Because you've not made the decisions. And we get like that. But God has so much good that He's inviting you into. But He's saying you've got to take hold of it. You've got to step into it. You've got to make the decisions. You've got to take the risk. Why do we struggle? What gets us to the place sometimes of the paralysis of indecisiveness? I think a root cause, perhaps the predominant root cause of it, is fear. And I talk about three types of fear that can affect our lives. The first one is the fear of missing out or what we commonly refer to as FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. Something better is happening somewhere else. And I'm scared I'm gonna miss out on that by doing this. So I'm rather gonna do nothing hoping that I'll do the most exciting thing. There's a lot of logic in that. I'll talk about that just now. The fear of missing out is the first one. The second one is the fear of failure. I'm so scared if I do it, I'm gonna fail. So I'm rather not going to try, not going to make the decision because I might not be able to follow through on my decision. And then the third one, which is almost like the fear of failure, but it's a little different, is the fear of choosing wrong. What if I make the wrong choice? What if what I thought was right turns out not to be right? How do we deal with fear? Now, this is one of the topics where the Bible has a lot to say about it and is so useful. You would think that the person that wrote the Bible made us and knows us. It's surprising. It's like he's the best psychologist the world can ever have come up with because he knows us exactly. And he talks to us to the heart of the issue. And so for instance, when you want to talk about fear, one of the verses that's so helpful that is so often quoted by us is Philippians 4, verse 6. Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. What is so clever about this is Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, knows that one of our greatest challenges when it comes to Stepping forward into what God has for us, making most of the opportunities that God will present us is anxiety, is one of our great obstacles. Anxiety that is rooted in fear. You see, this is what happens in our lives as human beings. Because of our frailty, we get ourselves into this double bind problem situation. Making a decision induces anxiety by itself. It's what happens. You will look at yourself Now, you may have become used to making certain decisions, and so you don't feel it so easily anymore. So perhaps if you come to a bit of a new decision or a bigger decision, you'll feel this again. Just having to make the decision makes you anxious. It's just the way we wired. So decision-making in and of itself is an exercise of managing anxiety. But the problem becomes worse. Not only does making a decision induce anxiety, But feeling anxious then prevents you from making a decision. Have you ever gotten yourself to a place where you're so anxious you can't make a decision? Now, you have to make a decision. That makes you anxious. That anxiety begins to build in you, and that anxiety stops you from making a decision. And so do you see the cycle that can start happening in our lives? And it becomes a vicious cycle like a a tumble dryer spin cycle, you know, or a washing machine. And you can't stop this thing. And that's what happens to us as people. We literally get sometimes to that place of paralysis because the anxiety feeds the anxiety, feeds the anxiety that 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 feeds the anxiety and I'm in the middle and I don't know what to do. So that's why a scripture like this is so valuable. When he says, be anxious for nothing, the first thing he's telling us, there's a way out. This cycle that you feel you've got no control over, there's a way out. I'm telling you the good news you don't have to be like this you don't have to get trapped in anxiety even if you feel the anxiety it's okay you can get over it you can conquer it you can you can get past the anxiety you don't have to be a victim of the cycle of anxiety isn't that good news already doesn't that help you already now it doesn't tell you how but at least it tells you okay there's a way out i don't have to do i don't have to get stuck here Then he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What is he saying to us? He's saying, you can get out of the anxiety. Now he's starting to tell us how. He says, your way out of the anxiety is to recognize that there's a higher power at work. That's bigger than your decision. That's bigger than the consequences. That's bigger than the factors you have to choose between. There's somebody more. You see, and that helps me because when I get into a space like, you know, I have to choose and I don't know what to choose. I I can believe that it all rests on my shoulders. I have to get it right. This decision is so important. I must get it right. And, And I have to figure this out. Paul reminds us, no, you can take a step back. And you can recognize that while your decision is important, while your decision needs certain thinking and, and praying, your decision is taken within the context of a higher authority. That ultimately depends, uh, determines sorry, life and who you are and who you will be and which direction your life will go. It doesn't all come down upon you. You have a God that works, that has resources and abilities beyond you, and He loves you. He is for you. He wants you to do good. He wants you to progress. He wants you to move forward. He wants you to make the right decision. It's not all on you. That really helps me, because it sometimes just gets me out of my victim mentality, out of my heaviness of a decision making that's okay whatever decision I make I'm making in the context of the reality that there's a God that loves me that will direct my paths that will be faithful to me even if I get it wrong and this is how I've lived my life with decisions that I have to make for myself for my family for this church for everything I have to do this is how I make a decision I get the best information I can Listen to the best people that I can. Talk, get as much information as I possibly can in appropriate space of time. Then I work through the process, work through the information, talk to some more people. Then I make a decision. Then I test my decision. And then ultimately I say, okay, this is gonna be the decision that we're gonna, this is the way we're gonna go. But I do it with this heart. This is the heart that I do it with. I say, Lord, As far as I can understand, through prayer, through research, through reading the scripture, through consulting people, through everything I've done, this is the right decision, as I understand it to be. And this is the way we're going to go. We're going to do this. But Lord, if I'm wrong, speak to me, or speak to somebody to speak to me. Help me not make the wrong decision. If you don't, I'm going to go this way, because I believe it to be the right decision, but even if it is wrong, I trust you to make the right thing happen out of my wrong decision. Because you are faithful and you are good. You are bigger than my decision. The key there, my heart is a heart of submission. I'm never going to, well, never is a I'm going to try and do everything I can in my power to never make a decision that I know is not the right decision. But it's a decision I want. That's rebellion. And then God will not turn my wrong decision into a right decision if I do it out of rebellion. But if I make the wrong decision out of submission and out of a good heart, and just because I can't see everything, God's grace, it can cover that mistake. And I have found that helps me to not get stuck in the valley of indecisiveness. Because I'm doing every decision I make in the context of a God that is faithful, that is good to me, That's why it's so helpful that he says, be anxious for nothing. Do not let anxiety determine your decision-making or lack of decision-making. It's a negative force, and it will get you stuck, and you don't have to be anxious. So, the cure for our, our, our indecisiveness is to, first of all, turn fear into faith. Turn fear into faith. As human beings, we are susceptible to fear. We are very prone towards fear. Fear comes along and we hook onto it like this. Sometimes it doesn't even take a willful decision and we become afraid. It's just who we are. God knows that about us. To be afraid is sometimes a useful thing. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about when fear is not useful. When fear becomes a factor in our lives that starts determining our lives and starts determining our decisions or our lack of decisions, it becomes a negative force. But it can always be something that is turned into faith. How do you turn fear into faith? You remind yourself of what I've just said, first of all, that every decision is made in the context of a good God that loves you and that is gracious and kind towards you. And that has the amazing ability, as Romans 8 verse 28 says, to turn things for good. Even those things that are intended for evil, he can turn for good. So, I'm not paralyzed by fear. I can make a decision. That's how I begin to turn my fear into faith. Humility helps. You see... There's a little bit of insidious pride that creeps into our hearts when we start thinking that all of my life depends on my decisions. Isn't that a bit prideful? To think that everything is because I chose it. Is that true? Come on. Think about your life. How much of your life is not because of what you chose? Your choices actually had nothing to do with it. I mean... My color of my skin was not my choice. I'm not saying I would have made a different one. I'm just saying it was not my choice. I, and society makes a big deal of that. But God chose it. I believe my gender. was not my choice. God chose it for me. Where I was born. It's not my choice. The language I speak at home. Not my choice. I just sort of picked it up. I wasn't born a certain way and my parents had to retrain me. Not my choice. So much of life's not my choice. COVID was not my choice, I promise you that. Was it yours? Who of you chose it and got all of the rest of us in trouble? How much of life's got nothing to do with our choices? Yes, it's true how we respond is our choice always. And there's a lot of freedom and responsibility within that. But if you think your life is all because of your choices, that's pride. I can even tell you that the good things that I've got in my life, the things that I've done well, the things that I'm successful at, it's a lot of it's not my choice. It's not because of the good choices I made. Have you ever thought back about sometimes in your life and you go, yes, I almost got that wrong. I might as well have made the decision to go that way instead of that way. But by some fluke, as we say in Afrikaans, some fluke, some cosmic accident, I chose the right thing. And today I get to live the benefits of it. Hey? To think that all of life is in your control of your choices, I think is a bit of pride. I'm not undermining, I'm not underestimating the value of your choices. I'm just just saying it's not absolute. So I turn fear into faith by saying, Lord... My power of my choices are limited, and I trust you. I trust you. I can choose what I want on the 1st of January, 2023. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Last year on the 1st of January, we didn't know that by the 3rd of January, Natasha's mom would die. Then our dear friend Ilza would pass away on the 14th of January. And then her dad would die on the 19th of April. We didn't know those events. And they didn't happen because of choices. I don't know what's coming this year, but what I do know is that God is faithful. And that He is good. So, I'm going to make the choices that I can. I'm going to make the decisions that I feel He makes me, wants me to make. I'm going to engage. I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be cynical. I'm also not going to be like a, just let God's water were God's acker, k sarah sarah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make the choices I'm going to make with conviction, with energy, with commitment. But I'm also going to trust God. And that keeps life movable so that we don't get stuck in some fixed position. We can move. We can adapt. We can change. Because faith can always overcome fear. Fear is not the highest power in your life. Faith is a higher power. But you have to choose. I'm not going to let fear determine my life. Perhaps you're starting a year and you lost your job towards the end of last year. And that's a reason to have fear. That's a realistic open door for fear into your life, but you can turn it into faith. Perhaps you're starting a new job and it's, you feel afraid. Perhaps you have in a difficult relational situation, whatever it be, perhaps your health is in difficulty. Fa- fear can always be turned into faith. When fear rules, fear rules when I see fear more than I see God. Faith rules when I see God more than I see the thing that I'm afraid of. And that's my choice. That's my decision. That's what I can can control. So we turn faith into fear. Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 also gives us some really helpful advice. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And he will direct your path. I trust in the Lord. Lord, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to take the responsibility of making the decision. If I make the wrong decision, I'll be responsible for that decision. But I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to take hold of what you have. But I trust in you. Isn't it wonderful that here at the beginning of 2023, before we know anything about what this year presents, we can already give it to the Lord. And we can say, Lord, I trust in you with all of my heart. How many of you remember the Don Francisco, old Don Francisco I Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on. I'm sure he's going to sue me for that rendition. But I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I'm going to direct everything. Say, you direct my steps, Lord. I'm going to hold on to you so that I don't get stuck in that cycle of it. Making a choice makes me anxious. Now I'm anxious, so now I find it hard to make a choice, so I become more anxious, and then I end up in this space of difficulty. Those two things that I spoke about turning fear into faith and directing your steps to the Lord, asking Him to to take hold of your life that helps us deal with the fear of failure. Because if God says I've got to do something, I ought to trust Him and I'm going to do it. If I fail, that's okay. I'm doing what God says. It helps us take care of the fear of making the wrong decision. Getting it wrong. Because if I made the wrong decision, it's okay. I've got God's grace to cover me. Now sometimes I make the wrong decision and it has real consequences. It makes, it really damages and hurts people. Then I have to walk through that. And I have to go back and say, I'm sorry, I made the wrong decisions. I did it for all the right reasons. I really thought it was the right decision but it ended up being the wrong decision and but now I'm going to fix it God will give me the grace to do that I'm Not talking about irresponsibly just making a decision every decision we make has an appropriate time that you have to spend thinking about it praying about it looking at it But you also can't get stuck in a space where you never make a decision because you don't have all the information guess what you'll never have all the information There's no decision that you and I make that we will have all the information we need. We always have to step out. Because even if I know everything about now, I don't know about tomorrow. That's what made COVID so difficult, for instance. In COVID, as the second year of COVID came along, one of the things that they started speaking a lot about was the fatigue of decision-making, decision fatigue. And I experienced it. In 2021, and it sort of carried over to 2022. I found myself, man, I just wanted, did not want to make decisions anymore because I was so tired of family meetings, eight o'clock on a Sunday evening or whenever they were, that changed our lives, and then suddenly we had to make a whole bunch of decisions about how church, when church, when can staff come, can't they come, all of that stuff, and then it changes next week again. And you become fatigued. That's human. But we can get into a place of permanently just never having all the information so we refuse to make decisions. You can't do that. I believe in that saying that somebody once said that a clear decision today is often better than a perfect decision tomorrow. If you're going to wait for the perfect decision, you might wait the rest of your life. That's why some people struggle just to commit to a relationship because they're scared if they commit to this relationship, another one might come along and then they miss that one. And so they spend the rest of their lives waiting for the right one to come along and they miss all the ones that, and they're praying, Lord, give. And the Lord says like, man, what more must I do? I've sent you a whole procession. There's like a caravan of people that I've sent your way. Make a choice. How many of you married people, despite knowing today you made the right choice, there's a whole lot of stuff you know today you didn't know back then about the person you chose and about them feeling the same towards you. We have to make a choice. Otherwise, we just get stuck with nothing. And that's the third one I particularly want to talk a little bit about is FOMO, the fear of missing out. I have to quickly go about this. FOMO is, uh, where's my definition for FOMO? It's uh, It's a pervasive apprehension that others might be having rewarding experiences from which one is absent. And since social media, it's become a predominant thing. It's been around since people have lived. But since social media has come around, it's become something we've named for the first time. And that impacts all of our lives in an increasing way. It's this thing of something else is happening somewhere that's better than what I'm experiencing. And so I live my whole life discontent with what I'm experiencing, always looking over the fence for the better experience. And it makes me want to not choose to do anything today because perhaps there's something better that's going to come along. I've seen this. It's across all generations we struggle with it. But I've observed it in my, my children and their friendship groups. So, like, my, I get so frustrated, I want to strangle somebody. I repent. Every now and then, one of them wants to organize a care, as they call it, like hangout. you know? They want their friends to come. So they send an invite. Now, remember this generation phones nobody because that would be too confronting. You send a WhatsApp and you give the person the opportunity to respond when they feel they want to respond. You don't pressurize them. I'm like, please pick up a phone and ask them, are they coming or not? Your mother needs to prepare. No, we can't phone them. That's where, already it starts. Because then this is what they do. They send the invite, and then the responses are always like this, or very often like this. We'll see. (laughs) No, I need to know. Can you come to my birthday or not? No, I'll let you know. Why? Because a better invite might come along. And they don't want to commit to that because they're scared they're going to miss out on something else. Do you recognize how you can live your whole life waiting for the better thing? Because you're afraid of missing out. Make a decision, engage, get busy. There are people that now talk about what they call fojo, not FOMO, or JOMO, sorry, not JOMO, the joy of missing out. The joy of missing out. The reality is I'm one person. I cannot experience everything and be at all the great places and all the wonderful holidays and all the best breakfasts. I cannot do it. I'm one person. It's actually a joy that there's good things that I'm missing out on. It's, it's, It's a good thing. Every day in my life is not supposed to be an Instagrammable day. Amen? There's supposed to be boring moments. There's supposed to be Nobody puts posts, posts photos of them cleaning the dustbin (laughs) on Instagram or picking up the dog's deposits. (laughs) Nobody's like, hee hee, look at me. But they all do it. We sell this like, whoa, life can be so beautiful and wonderful. And then If I'm not experiencing that, we feel depressed. We literally are struggling with depression as a society because of that very reason. I'm missing out. It's not true. Read your last scripture. Mark 6, verse 31 to 32. Jesus and his disciples, he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Jesus said it's good for you to miss out sometimes. It's good for you to get out of the exciting stuff so that you can experience me. This is the great thing about our God. He's all-powerful. He has the right to demand all of our attention, yet he doesn't. He wants you to look for him. And do you know where you find him? In the quiet places, most often. It's not that he's not in the noise or that you can't hear him in the thunder like But the scripture says, he's in the whisper. It's my choice to make time to withdraw. We're only these weeks, we're going to have a time of prayer and fasting. It's a time where we withdraw. And we we do Joma, we say it's the joy of missing out. I'm going to miss out on some great meals. I'm going to miss out on some great activities because my life's not determined by that. I don't have to be afraid of missing out. So, I want to be present. And I want to be, I said I'm going to read you a last scripture. This is the rest of the scripture. Therefore, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Don't be like the people of the world. Looking for the great experience. Looking for the next big thing. Rather, he says, for your heavenly fathers know what you need. And he knows all these things that you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added to you. Seek first. You know what seeking requires? Make a decision. Make a decision. Don't wait for the best thing to come along. Make a decision. The best thing has presented itself to you. The best thing is God's will for your life, the kingdom of God. Make a decision. Commit to that decision. Many of us treat Jesus the same way nowadays. Lord, I'm going to hang with you until something better comes along. And Jesus says, sorry, I don't do that. I don't hang. I'm God or I'm nothing, but I don't hang. I'm not your buddy. I'm not going to fit into your social schedule. I've sent out the RSVP. If you don't want to come, I'll go to the highways and the byways and I'll get those that want to come. But if, you want to, if you're too busy elsewhere, if you're waiting for a better invitation, go for it. Make a decision. Because I'm the God that has everything you need. Won't you stand with me? We don't, you guys don't have to come up. I will end. I've meandered a little bit. I didn't quite stay to my script. So I hope in between all of that there was something that was helpful and meaningful to you. But the heart of my talk this morning is this. You have a God that loves you. And that has untold good things. Remember we started 2022 with unimaginable good. That word is still true. You have a Father that has unimaginable good that He has planned and prepared for you. All He's saying is come make a choice for me. Don't choose the good that I have, choose me, and I will lead you to the good. The risk you're taking is you are going to miss out on some things. You might get it wrong, you might make some wrong decisions, but I've got you. Do you trust me? So I want to pray for us as we go into this year. That we will be people of conviction, that we will be people of faith, that we will be people that will make a decision, that we will commit, and that we will follow through. That where we get it wrong, we will stay committed to the decision in terms of, then we'll correct it. But I'm not going to be afraid. Because then we will be people that will change the world, and we will be the salt and the light. And our front lines will look different, because we will arrive, we will be present, we will be engaged. We will be committed. We will be, as that scripture says, he says, um, when you toss to and throw, then, then you are, you, nobody can depend on you. I don't want to be an, a person that nobody can depend on. That means nobody can build with me or around me. Well, I can't build anything because I'm wishy-washy. I don't want to be that. And I know you don't want to be that. So can we say, Father, if I've, already in a bit of a space of indecisiveness. Perhaps some fear is fear of failure, fear of getting it wrong, or fear of missing out is already playing a part in my life. Can we ask the Holy Spirit to just come and help us? So let's pray that first of all. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for 2023. Thank you for new opportunities that's coming our way. Some we'll be ready for, some we won't be. Some we'll choose and some we won't. But I thank you, Lord, that we know that we serve a Father that is good, that loves us, that is greater than any other. And so right now, we humble ourselves before you. And we say, Lord, we trust you. We trust you. And so, Father, if there's any fear in my heart, I ask you to forgive me for that fear right now in Jesus' name. I pray for that fear to loosen its grip. I thank you, Lord, that anxiety can be overcome, that I don't have to live with anxiety. Desi- anxiety will not determine my life, but that I can turn it into faith. Thank you for the strength, the grace, the wisdom to do that. Just say, thank you, Lord, that you helped me break the cycle of anxiety and fear in my life. Lord, if there's fear of failure in my life, thank you that you help me overcome that in Jesus' name. If there's fear of getting it wrong, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are, you are bigger than even my wrong decisions. I want to keep my heart right before you. Lord, if I've got fear of missing out and it, and it keeps me from making a commitment and making a choice, I pray forgive me for that and help me, Lord, to take a bold step of faith and to trust you. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that for, the, for people right now. I take authority over a, f- a spirit of fear or anxiety, just a mental condition for people online, on site. Take authority over that and I pray the power of that will be broken. In Jesus' name. Those cycles will end in Jesus' name. And I thank you for that. And then, Lord, we come and we positively just commit to you. You are our number one choice. I have made a choice. You are my God. I will seek your kingdom. I will trust you for the good things in my life. And I will reach out and I will take hold of that for which you have taken hold of me. Because I trust you. Thank you that you speak to me. Thank you that you direct me. Thank you that you're faithful to me. I can trust you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to your people. If there's decisions that need to be made, help them to make those decisions, to do good research, pray through, speak to the right people, make a good decision, and then follow through and be committed to that decision. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for this community, for all our different expressions, the Hatfield here, the South Church, the church plant at Shear, the Hispanic, Hispanic people, I speak your blessing over our community today, that we will be a people of conviction, a kingdom people, that we will be the salt and the light because of who you are in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being with us on site here today. We're going to have a great year together. We look forward to seeing you some more again. May the Lord bless you. If you want prayer for something this morning you're welcome to come to the front we'll have some team people here also don't have too many so just be patient but you're welcome to come to the front for prayer and um, yeah but have a great day and happy new year